0: It's not one of the, the messages that there'll be a lot of hallelujah, amen, glory to God. It's not a jumping up one. It doesn't even go along with what the brother said this morning, you know, that God is always there for you. But it speaks to us, every one of us. And to be honest with you, the last time I preached, you know, I'm preaching through the book of Matthew. And the last time I preached on Matthew was September the 12th um, last year. And God has been saying to me, you need to get back in Matthew. You need to get back to the book. So here am I back in Matthew this morning, and you got to follow along with me because I believe that he's speaking to all of us. So I'm not going to read from verse number 21, but I'm going to pick it up from verse number 27, and um, I'm going to take it on to verse number 32. And you got to stay with me because I can't stop until I reach the end of 32. So stay with me. Ye have heard that it was said by them of old. You know, sometimes we say, you hear what they say? Somebody said something. And he's, he's now saying, you have heard that it was said by them of old, thou shall not commit adultery. That's what you heard of old. But I say unto you, that whosoever looketh on a woman to lust after her hath committed adultery with her already in his heart. For Jesus tough. And then he turns around and he says, and if you right, I offend thee, pluck it out, and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that, that one of thy members should perish, and not that the whole body should be cast into hell fire. And then verse number 30, he said, and if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off. Everybody put up their right hand here. Put up your right hand? Those of you who put up your right hand, look you you, cut it off. Right? <laughs> All of us got our right hands thus far. We haven't cut them off as yet. I hope you don't have to cut it off today, neither. Well, after the message, I'm sure that you wouldn't cut it off. He said, if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee that one of thy members should perish, and not that thou. Thy the whole body should be cast into hell. Verse 31 and verse 32. It had been said, and Jesus loves saying that this is what you heard before. It had been said, whosoever shall put away his wife, let him give her a writing of divorce. But I say unto you, here he is again, that whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causing her to commit adultery. And whosoever shall marry her that is divorced, committed adultery. Because of this matter that is so painful, I try my best to be as careful as I can to share any matter in regards to this beast on the Word of God. So the truth of the matter is, let me be honest with you, I did not want to preach this today because of those two verses. I wanna be honest with you. But I must say like Pilate's wife, couldn't sleep. She told her husband, I have nothing to do with this just man because last night I couldn't sleep. So I couldn't sleep. So please stay with me because there is somebody, the somebody may not even be in this congregation It may be somewhere overseas, somebody is going through what God wants me to deal with today to give them help. It may be somebody in here that God wants me to speak on this, speak on what he told me to say that the person would get help. So stay with me. And here's what I want you to do for me. Pray for me as I share God's word. So if you know the title of the message, the title of the message is what? It is said, but I see. Now, if you remember clearly, where is Jesus? Matthew chapter 5. Where is Jesus? And seeing them on the multitudes, he went up into a mountain. And when he was set, his disciples came unto him. And he taught them, saying. Matthew chapter 5. read Verse 1 and verse number 2. So Jesus is up in the mountain. And he is teaching his disciples. His disciples came unto him and he taught them, saying, and he saying to his disciples, he's teaching his disciples something different to what they learned before. Because every time he said, you have heard but I say. Are you with me? Stay with me. Stay with me. This is going to be beneficial to all of us. He said, you have heard that it was said by them of all that thou shalt not commit adultery and it if you remember clearly in, in September, I, I shared with you the, 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 two, uh, the, the two heinous sins, I must say, that he looked at in this passage of Scripture, and he talked about, uh, he, they talk about murder, and then he explained what he said about murder. He said, if you hate somebody without a cause, he said, watch, it's the same as murder. And he explained that. And now he's talking about the two things he talked about. He talked about murder and he talked about adultery. So those are the two matters that he's dealing with. Now, the truth of the matter is he's not dealing with divorce and remarriage. But he's using divorce and remarriage to show you something about adultery. Am I making sense to you? So let's watch this. First of all, we're going to look at the act, the desire, and the deliverance from adultery. The act of adultery, the desire of adultery, and the deliverance from adultery. In verse number 27, on to verse number 30, for the sake of time, I would not read that for you again. Uh, we just read it. You have heard this was a basic concept. The law says do not commit adultery. That is something that they all knew that the law said, do not commit adultery. Uh, Chapter 5, verse 27, you have heard that it is said by them of old, thou shalt not commit adultery. Now, I'm sure that we all know, but just for the the meaning of adultery committed. Dictionary defines adultery as voluntary sexual intercourse between a married person, and a person who's not their spouse. It is known as infidelity. One needs to be very careful with today's meaning of adultery, where the word partner is added to its meaning. Okay? Some say, it's not adultery. I'm in a relationship. Some say, it's, a, it's just a partner that I have. Well, let's see what the book says. Bear in mind, a person may have a partner who is not their spouse. Stay with me now. Remember, I battle with the Lord all the time about this. This is not my choice, this morning. A single act of sexual intercourse with one who is not your spouse is more than enough to be considered adultery. Amen, Pastor? If you don't say that, I'm running backward and forward. I ain't going to be saying it. So let's look at the deed or the act of adultery. Let's look at it. Let's be careful. That's, I'm just going to show you what Scripture says. That's all. Verse 27, he said, on, he, he said, you have heard that such an act or a deed should not be done. Now, where did they hear that? Hmm. They heard that from Exodus chapter number 20, verse number 14. Thou shalt not commit adultery. They heard that from Deuteronomy chapter number 5 and verse number 18. Neither shall thou commit adultery. This was known to them as the seventh commandment. This, was also, uh, this also carried along with it all other acts of uncleanness and the desires of them. But the Pharisees, watch this carefully, in their observation of this command made sure that it extended no further than the act or the deed of adultery. In other words, if you did not commit an act with someone, then it's not adultery. And that's what they understood, and that's how the Pharisees took it. Watch. Hmm. Jesus went ahead and he said something else. So as far as the Pharisees were concerned, regardless of what goes on in the heart, as long as the physical act was not done there was no sin committed as far as the Pharisees were concerned. Stay with me. I know that this is tough. It's tougher for me than you. Now listen to one of the Pharisees' prayer. In Luke chapter 18, verse 11, the Pharisees stood and prayed thus for themselves, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. That's the way they felt. They felt like they were so right, they were so religious, everybody else was wrong as far as they were concerned. That's what religion do for you. What they did not realize in their self righteousness was this, and this is what Jesus wanted his disciples to know. What they did not realize? That they were not as righteous as their thoughts. The Pharisees were not as righteous as they thought. Why? Because when they were angry and hate, they were committing murder. They they were just concerned about, I don't cut nobody's throat. I don't kill nobody. I had never killed anybody. But Jesus pointed out, when you are angry and you are hateful at at someone else, you have committed murder already. They didn't know that, but they were pretending, who me? I ain't shoot nobody. I ain't kill nobody. So I had never committed murder. And Jesus turned around and said, well, let's get it straight. When they're lost sexually, they committed adultery. Anger and sexual loss are two of the most powerful influences on mankind. Anybody in the house? The person who fails to see them as such and fails to, to deal with them from the inside will find him or herself more controlled by them than being in control of them. They're just held to the basic concept, and that was what the law says, do not commit adultery. So so long they could have done anything leading up to the act, so long as they did not do the act, they figure, we, we are safe. Hmm. And then Jesus dealt with the desire. In verse number 28, moving fast, he said, but I say unto you, whosoever looketh on a woman and lusts after her hath commit adultery with her already in his heart. My God, that must have shocked them when Jesus said, and he's teaching his disciples and he's telling his disciples, this thing goes farther than just acts. Jesus go way beyond the law, which speaks of the act or the deed, and he now deals with the desire. Church, am I in the Bible still? Okay, trust yourself. Now Jesus used the word, stay with me now. He used the word, look At This look is not a, a glance. Are you with me? The look that Jesus is talking about is not a, a glance. Okay, sometimes you could see something and you could notice that that thing is not pleasant. And you could control your eyes, control your mind by moving your head. Am I correct? Am I correct? So Jesus was not speaking about a glance because then he's including everybody. It is not an incidental or involuntary act, but an intention and a repeated gaze. Jesus is speaking of intentional looking with the purpose of lusting or using the mind to think about what you are looking at. Stay with me now. Don't get vexed. my love you all. I love you all. He's speaking of the one who looks so that the desire is met in the heart. He is speaking of those who sit and watch X-rated movies. Hello? He's speaking of those, not only who watch, the man who selects a TV channel where such is seen. But hallelujah, Sunday morning. Praise the Lord. A man who uses the internet to see such online. But Sunday morning, it's hallelujah. A man who goes to the place not limited to the beach to look upon a woman in her swimsuit for the wrong reason. Anybody in the house? note carefully, what is taught here, and that is looking at a woman, get this, get this carefully, get this carefully, get this carefully, get this carefully, note carefully, what is taught here, and that is looking at a woman lustfully, get this, because if you don't get it, you can misunderstand me, does not cause a man to commit adultery in his heart, let me say it again, Looking at a woman lustfully does not cause a man to commit adultery in his heart. And since you think I said it wrong, let me say it again. Looking at a woman lustfully does not cause a man to commit adultery in his heart. He has already committed adultery in his heart. It is not lustful looking that causes the sin in the heart, but it is the sin in the heart that cause the lustful looking. That's what it is. The sin in our hearts that cause lustful looking. It's not lustful looking that caused sin. We were shaping iniquity and then in our mother conceivers. It's the sin in our heart. When a man looks, it's just the expression of the heart that is already watch, watch, watcher, immoral and adulterous. The heart is where the seed of sins are buried. And there it begins to grow. From where? From the heart. In our world today, it becomes more and more difficult for a man to control his thoughts. And somebody got to talk about it. One may ask why. Let me tell you why. There are too many women in the world and even going to churches that are provocatively dressed. I don't like to go on back street. I hate to go on back street. I tell you the truth, I hate to drive down back street. I express with my wife and me, I've been constantly... My neck is constantly going, and sometimes my eyes is constantly closed. Why? Because of what you see. And I tell myself, this is so wrong. It's rain. I trust children of God. Do not get themselves in such. A man will surely be tempted by Satan with lustful thoughts. The man must do all that he can to make sure these temptations are resisted. To resist such, the gaze must not be. It is looking in order to satisfy lustful desires that Jesus spoke about. Help me, Lord. This is what you want, Lord, not me. May I said to you this morning that David, when he saw Bathsheba beaten, he was not at fault for us. Had you ever stopped and thought of that? When he saw, <laughs> when he saw Bathsheba beaten, he was not at fault for us. Why? She was where he could see her from where he was. Stay with me. His sin was not just the look, but the dwelling on the sight he saw. If he had just looked and gone in his house, he would not have gotten himself in trouble. But he looked and he dwelled on the sight that he saw. He would have quickly put it out of his mind and looked the other way if his mind was right. But he notice what David did. He had her brought to his chamber. 2 Samuel chapter 11 verse 2 and verse number 4. Help me Lord. And it came to pass in an tide. Watch this. That David arose from off his bed and he walked on the roof of the king's house. was something he was accustomed to doing. He was accustomed of walking. Everybody to walk on their porch. You don't walk on your porch too? So David is out there walking on the roof of the king's house. And from the roof, he saw a woman washing herself. And the woman was very beautiful to look upon. Look yeah. at verse 4. And David sent, watch this, and inquire after the woman, And one said, Is not this Bathsheba's uh, Bathsheba, the daughter of Iliam and the wife of Uriah. Go to verse number four. Verse 4, Brother Sean. Watch this is the verse I want to show you. Watch this, watch this, watch this. And David, here's where David messed up. And David sent messengers and he took her. And she came into in unto him. And he lay with her. And she was uh, purified from her uncleanness. And watch this. And she returned unto her house. So David, if, if, if David would have seen the woman, just stay with me, stay with me. Hey, listen, only one preacher. Only one preacher this morning. Only one. Only one preacher this morning. Stay with me. Order, stay with me. Watch, watch. If David would have paid no attention to what he saw, he would have been okay. But the sin in his heart and the power that he had, as king, he sent together, and he got himself in trouble. Hmm. Remember the words of the man, Job, as he shared in Job chapter number 31, verse 1, and then verse 6 down to verse number 11. Job says some tough words. I want you to see them. You got to stay with me. I can't cut it. You can't cut it. Now you reach nowhere yet. Arms up, Oh, and down. In Job 31, Job said, I made a covenant with mine eyes. Why then should I think upon a maid? Verse 6, down to verse 9, 11. Give me verse 6. He said, let me be weighed in an even balance. And you know this word of God, listen, sometimes we try to polish up things. This word of God does not polish anything. It is clear and plain as it is. So when you see this, no pastor Webster didn't write that. So watch this. Let me be weighed in an even balance that God may know mine integrity. Job is speaking. He said, if my steps have torn out of the way and mine heart walk after mine eyes, and if any blood had cleaved to mine hand, watch, then let me sow. And let others eat. Yeah? Let my offspring be rooted out. Boy. If mine heart have been deceived by a woman, stay with me. Or if I have laid weight at my neighbor's door, then let my wife grind unto another and let others bow down upon her. He says, why? He said, because if he would have done what he said, if he did, he said, for this is a heinous crime. Yeah, it is an an iniquity to be punished by judgment. So Job, look at how serious this thing is. The word of God is rich with advice given against lustful desire. In Proverbs chapter number six and verse number 25, lust not after her beauty, in thine heart, neither let her take thee with her eyelids. You know, sometimes, boy, they could give you eyes oh, so sweet, you thought the sugar, yeah? He said, don't leave that happen. Don't lust after her beauty in your heart, James reminds us of where temptation comes from. In James chapter 1, verse 14 to 15, but every man is tempted when he's drawn away with his own lust and enticed, and when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and, sin bring, and when sin is, sin is finished, it bringeth forth death. Peter, he speaks of the eyes full of adultery that cannot cease from sin. In 2 Peter chapter number 2, and verse number 14, having eyes full of adultery and that cannot cease from sin, beguiling, unstable soul and heart, they have excess which uh, covetous practices cost children. The psalmist, he said in Psalms 119 verse 37 and 38, he says, Turn away mine eye from and vanity, and quicken thou me in thine way. Establish my word unto thy servant, who is devout to thy fear. Paul spoke to Timothy. He said in regards to youthful lust, he said in 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 22, Flee also youthful lust, but follow after righteousness, faith, charity, peace with them that call on the Lord out of a pure heart. I'm running downhill. One may say, praise God, I am not guilty. I didn't say, I say it. I say one may say, praise God, I am not guilty. What's that? This was the Pharisee's way of looking at things. Now that he looked at it this way, and when we look at it in the light that Jesus had shone on it, we must see it in a more correct manner, that when it comes to murder, hate, lust, looking, that it is to say that we are all guilty. Hello? Don't be like your Pharisees. They figured that they were not guilty. But Jesus is showing that you're all guilty, including me. We all are guilty. We did have hate in our hearts, we did look at longer than we should have looked. Help me, Lord. Mm. Because every person has experienced temptation to anger and sexual sin. And every person had some time and to some degree given in to temptation Jesus spoke above. So every person stands guilty before God as a murderer and as an adulterer. Today we can call upon God and ask him to help us and to forgive us. That when you look at, I had never committed the act of adultery. What you may have put on your TV, TV and look at something else. Hello? So, not because the Pharisees did not commit the act. They wanted everybody else to be destroyed. The Mosaic law portrays adultery as one of the greatest, despicable, and heinous sin punishable by death. In Leviticus chapter number twenty-two, 20 verse 10 and the man that committed adultery with another man's wife, even he that committed adultery with his neighbor's wife, the adulterer and the adulteress shall be surely put to death. And that's what they wanted, the Pharisees. In Deuteronomy chapter number 22 and verse number 22, if a man be fine lying with a woman married to a husband, then there shall both, both of them die, Both the man that lived with the woman and the woman, so shall thou put away evil from Israel. That was the law. That's the payment for it. When the scribes and the Pharisees told Jesus that Moses commanded them to stone the woman taken in adultery, they were correct. You with me? In John chapter number 8, verse number 4, down to verse number 5, they said unto him, Master, the woman was taken in adultery and the very act and Moses and the law commanded us that she should be stoned. But what says though? What are you saying about this now, Lord? What saved her from being stoned to death? Was that Jesus had already forgiven her. Hello? That's the only thing saved her. That Jesus had already forgiven her. But watch this, the very ones who were ready to stone her, they were guilty, guilty. of sin that were not forgiven. And let me prove it to you. If you come with me to chapter 8, verse number 7, out of verse number 11, you see what the scripture says. So when they continued, when the Pharisees continued asking him, he lifted up himself and he said unto them, he, that is, without sin. You take on the job. You cast the stone at her. Yes, the law says that she should be stoned. Okay, watch. For her to be stoned, you need a just person to stone her. And if you are the just person, you pick up the stone and cast it first. And again, he stooped down and he wrote on the ground. I wonder what he was writing. He might have been writing. Crook. Thief. A adulterer. Murderer. I don't know. Maybe. I don't know. But he was writing on the ground. Waiting to see what they will do. Because he gave them the permission. Yes. The law said the stoner. So you go ahead now. And you start stoning them. And they which heard it. Being convicted in their own conscience. You see. I may get something to your ear. But God gets it to our conscience. They thought that she, they should watch her stone to death. And when Jesus said, okay, you go ahead. If you are innocent, you stone her. And they're being convicted in their conscience. Watch what they do. Went out one by one, being at the eldest, even unto the last. And Jesus was left alone and the woman standing in the midst. I wonder why they turn off. Because watch, Because what? If she is guilty to be stoned, then you are guilty be So in my mind, they're probably saying, Before Jesus stoned me, I better. As in my mind, that's my theory. All right. But they left. Why? Because they were guilty too.
1: Hmm.
0: Verse 10. And when Jesus lifted up himself and saw none but the woman, he said unto a Woman, Where are those thine accusers? Had no man condemned thee? I love Jesus. We are dealing with things. And he said, no man, Lord. And Jesus said unto her, neither do I condemn thee. Go and sin. In other words, okay, yes, you did it. I forgive you. Stop it. Stop it. Don't do it no more. But they couldn't handle that. They wanted her to be dead. Let's look at the deliverance from this. What? Still with me? Walking you down this scripture? Look at the, let's look at the deliverance from this. We come to verse number 29 and verse number 30, and i read it for you. And Jesus continues to say to them, this is strange. Every time I see this, when I was young, I wonder, what, what does this mean? He said, if thy eye offend thee, pluck it out. Anybody here ever pluck out the eye? Your one eye because the other one was offending him? Anybody here? No? Well, then you're not then, if that's what it means. He said, and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee, that one of thy members should perish, and not the whole body should be cast into hell. And if thy right hand offend thee, cut it off, and cast it from thee, for it is profitable for thee, that one of the members should perish, and not that the whole body shall be cast in, in hell. Now, here in these verses, Jesus points to the way of deliverance from heart sin. I want you to get this. That's what he's doing. He's pointing the way of deliverance from sins of the heart. One may say, if there is a problem in the heart, what good would it be to pluck out your eye or to cut off your hand? If you've got a problem in your heart, what good would it be to take off my eyes or to cut off on my hands? How will that really help the problem in the heart? Let's explain. In Jewish culture, the right eye and the hand represented a person's best and most precious faculties in their culture. The right eye represented the best vision. And the right hand represented one best skill. What Jesus was saying here is we should be willing to give up whatever is necessary. Even the most cherished things we possess, if it will help us to protect us from evil. May I say it again? We must be willing to give up whatever is necessary, even the most precious things that we possess, right eye, right hand, if this will keep us away from evil. That's what Jesus was saying. Nothing is so valuable as to what keeping at the expense of righteousness. May I say it again? Nothing is so valuable as to what keeping at the expense of righteousness. Sometimes one may need to remove himself from a certain place to live righteous. May I say something else? Sometimes one may need to move himself from certain people to live righteous. Hmm. Jesus and his thoughts here. To us, we need to stop and think of what he's saying. One needs to change a behavior to keep him or herself from going down to these sins. Behaviors must change. If you go back to chapter 5 and you read from verse number 1 down to verse number 13, he speaks about our attitude. If we're going to live this happy life, then our attitude must change. The danger of these sins is that it all starts in the heart and grows from the heart out. Watch this. There's a favorite proverb which says, So a thought, reap a act. So a act, reap a habit. So a habit, reap a character. So a character, reap a destiny. This is exactly what Jesus was teaching. No matter where it ends, sin always begins in the heart. A thought in the mind that is evil will produce the action of sin. Be reminded that Jesus used a man, but it applies equally to women. Hello? He used a man, but it applies equally to women. Women are equally susceptible to lustful looking and even to enticing mental lusts. get this. If you don't get nothing else, get this. If lustful looking is a grievous sin, then those who dress and expose themselves and cause others to be drawn away with desires to have what they are looking at and what they lost after, such portions are no less but perhaps more guilty in this matter. These are the days that we must identify ourselves as children of God. It's not only the case that men sin, but women tempt them to do so especially those who dress to deliberately seek the attention and to arouse those sexual passions of men. It is wrong. And may I say this? To some of us as parents, we too will answer to how we allow our children to dress in homes and to dress and to go on the street that cause others to lust after them. We too will be responsible. As believers, we have the responsibility to God and to our family to make sure our homes are in standing with God's standard of dressing. Let me say this, and I want every member to understand this. The church must take its biblical stand. That God lay down and make sure. The church is not a place where people come to showcase themselves. Let me say this. The church is not a place for people to come to showcase themselves at a wedding. Nor at a funeral. Hello? I have noticed in the past, and now that the Holy Spirit of God has allowed me to speak on it, I have noticed in the past that at some funerals, some folks want to read scripture, want to do all the things, and, and st- have stepped up here improper. So if you got a family member, if you have a family member that you want me to do a funeral for you, make sure that anybody coming on that platform is properly dressed. The church is not a place for The church is not the place for this. And by the way, if you want me to be a part of your wedding, all that you got to show your husband, I don't want to see. The church must take its stand. We have fallen to the things of the world, and it seems like it's accepted by everybody. And then he continues to teach on what causes divorce, what causes adultery. So we come to verse number 31 and verse number 32. You notice know, what he say again? It has been. Come on, talk to me. Don't get vexed with me. Don't get vexed with me. It's the word. He says, it has been said. But everybody look at it know it on this side. That that screen up there walking. It has been. Look at it coming east. It has been. You got it. What has been said? What has been said? What has been said? Whosoever put away his wife, let him give her a written of the a writing of divorcement. He said, It has been said. Whoever put away his wife, let him give her a writing of divorce. Uh, divorce. Bear in mind, Jesus is continuing to teach on adultery. Yes, on. All I'm going to do is explain the text to you. I see. I see. you say, and verse number 32. The text is, you said, I see. but I say, he yes, said, but I say unto you, watch this carefully, watch this, yes. watch this carefully, watch this carefully. <laughs> listen, listen. Yes. Let, me, let me be honest with you, right? I am not here to, to throw no words on nobody because let me be honest with you. I have family members also. Did you hear what I just tell you? Did you hear what I just tell you? I have family members also. But I say unto you that whosoever, watch this carefully, watch this. And again, explain this and I'm done. Whosoever shall put away his wife Watch this. Saving for the cause of fornication caused her to commit adultery. And whosoever shall marry her that is divorced committed adultery. Now don't forget the cause. Don't forget the cause before. Don't, don't, don't forget that. Don't, 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 don't forget what you said. Well, let me explain this and I'm done. Just two verses in Matthew 5. If you are there listening to me, this is God sending me to speak to you. If you're thinking of doing something that's not right, just listen to what God says. I don't know who it is. I just know that I had an uneasy week. That's all I know. Just two verses here in Matthew chapter 5. Speaks directly about the matter of divorce or remand. Nonetheless, the subject will be, as we started the book of Matthew, the subject will present itself again in the book of Matthew. When we get to chapter 19, there is more, it's more widely presented where we would go deeper into this matter. In Matthew chapter 19, when we get there, we'll look at it. I want to tell you this. During my short time here on earth, listen to me carefully, I have lived. To see marriages a marriage that was such an honorable covenant has now become somewhat like a game when you play to win or lose. I'll show you how we play dominoes. The loser got to get up and he could go to another table and play. Marriage has become like a game. Win or lose. If you lose, you get up from here and you go look for another one. Watch. In my short lifetime, I am saying people now saying they've been married for 60 years, 80 years. And listen, pretty soon in your head. Nothing like that. Nothing like that. No. no. You gonna hear that. In my early life, A ring on the finger of a lady brought much respect. Hello? If a man would see a ring on a woman's finger in my early life, it tells that man she's married and he had respect. I may not look old, but I hear long. Marriage was something, watch me, a couple looked forward to and spend their lives together. It was something that they would walk on to make it happen. Watch those two white-haired and no-haired people back there who've been married for eight, since Noah was a boy. <laughs> and they're still going on. Watch, they're walking together. You can tell me that he had never hum- humbugged she up. I know better than that. I know better than that. That she had never humbugged him up. But they decided when they got married that this thing, watch, watch. This is going to be until life, hey, until death depart. We are going to work on this thing. And watch, watch. We got to make it work. I am in mean, my father married. And I'm still working on that thing. Sometimes you figure you got it all figured out, Can okay, you say, Okay, cool, I got it figured out. Next thing you know, we well, got figured out, we got fix it again. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, a lot of these tell us to walk on it, they're marriage, you know. A lot of them tell us to walk out of the marriage. They tell us that we must walk on it, they them smart. This one, this one. This one. This one. <laughs> So people will spend their lives together, okay, let's joke a little while. People will spend their lives together to make this thing happen. I am still here in this generation, and I have seen marriage treated as something of the past, and God, along with his design for marriage, is ignored. I have seen that in my lifetime. I will make a prediction. I will make a prediction. If Christ tarries, I would be dead and gone. But marriage will become something that would have no real significance. Let me tell you what it will be like, so you remember. Marriage will become like picking salt from the salt barn. Pastor, what do you mean? You ain't see what they did with those here? You give permission for that, Frank? From not to pick salt. <laughs> Picking salt now is history. Watch, watch. We used to pick salt and watch, watch. Take what I tell you. I can get dead and gone. Somebody may tell you in the grave. Marriage will become like those saltpons. Yeah. Useless. Yeah. If we continue like this, if we do not stand up and declare the of the word, it will become like the salt ponds. In the future, watch this, my prediction, it will be harder to get a good job than to get a divorce. In the future. I believe in years to come, you'll be able to enter marriage, given one the rights to be divorced if certain requirements are not met. I believe that both parties will get a witness without the court and draft the document and end the marriage. That's what I believe. It's going to to come to this. It won't be long before changes such as those will be legal. Marriage would one day be on trial. If you choose to stay, you stay. If you don't choose to stay, you go. The truth about all of this is that it matters not what man does in regards to how marriage is looked at. Or how it is practiced. The Lord's intent for marriage remains the same and He will hold us to His word. Every one of us. Today we look at the harmful effects of divorce on a child, parents and families, and on a society as a whole, should give us more than enough reason to be concerned about the problem. But you know what? The real problem is not the children. Watch this. The real problem is not the family. The real problem is not the society. But the tragedy is the violation of God's word. That's the tragedy. Because we can find all the excuses to match what we want. But the tragedy is when we violate God's word. When God and his word is violated then there remains no spirit, no spiritual, heavenly, godly standards for marriage and divorce. Today we find in many churches the problem of divorce and remarriage are watered down or rather ignored. Stay with me now. I know what are hearing in there. Church standards and policies either do not exist or they are accommodating to the congregation. Even if they are against scripture, Churches are refusing to deal with such violations on a scriptural basis. To be honest, many church leaders admit that they do not have a clue or a clear understanding of what the Bible teaches about what is right and what is wrong on this matter. To be honest. Let's look at it carefully. There are four basic positions or interpretations of biblical data on divorce and remarriage. Therefore, You and I would know as right as all four seems, all four cannot be right. What are they? One, divorce is not permitted under any circumstances or for any reason. That's one. Two, divorce and remarriage are permissible for any reason and without any reason. That is to say, I just want to get out two. These are two extremes that the other two lie between. Three. Divorce is permitted under limited circumstances and remarriage is never permitted. That's three. Four. Divorce and remarriage are permitted under certain circumstances. Those are the four out there. Between these four various Christian circles are found. This matter is so painful because it is real and real people are suffering from it. What makes it even worse, God, the one who ordained it, in many cases, is pushed out of the way and it is handled with him having no say. Let me give you what I understand from this text. First of all, the two, the two verses must be connected to the verses before. So in verse number 31 and verse number 32, this is what he said It had been saying, Whosoever shall put away his wife, let him give her a writing of divorcement. But I say unto you, Whosoever shall put away his wife, saving for the cause of fornication, causes her to commit adultery, and whosoever shall marry her that is divorced, committed adultery. There are two verses out there, seems like by themselves. You don't find no other backing in this text in regards to this matter of divorce. But may I say to you that the focus of this is not the question of whether or not divorce is permitted. That's not the focus. That's not what he's writing for. It is not providing for or commending divorce. This is dealing or continuing to deal with the Lord that deals with adultery. Am I making sense? It is showing how improper divorce leads to adultery. That's what he's showing. He's not dealing with adultery. He's going to deal with that in verse chapter number 19. But he is showing how, how it is, when it is done improper, how it leads to adultery. Improper. Let me say here, though, we will wait until we get to chapter 19 to fully explain such. Nonetheless, for the record's sake, Moses, in his writing, granted, are permitted divorce under certain circumstances. When people tell you the Bible does not speak about divorce, they don't know what they're talking about. They don't know what they're talking about. We're back in the book of Deuteronomy, when you go back there, Deuteronomy spoke about divorce. People were getting divorced for born and apart. The man didn't like how she cooked. He would get divorced, and, and that's why Moses had to come in and straighten this thing. So, Moses in his writing granted permission, divorce under circumstances, when it was accompanied by a certificate, and God recognized that. However, he did not condone or command divorce. God permits. His, God's permission for divorce was just another accommodation to his grace to humankind. Are you with me? I'm coming to the end. In Matthew chapter 19, verse 8 and verse number 18, he said unto them, Moses, because of the hardness of your heart, suffered you to put away your wives, but from the beginning it was not so. He said unto him, which Jesus said, thou shalt do no mother, thou shalt not commit adultery, thou shalt not steal, and thou shalt not be a false witness. You see, this back then was even worse than today. It is related to a divorce. It was anything that a man disliked in his wife, some men would use that to divorce their wives. Anything that he disliked, you know, listen, I had you long enough, it's like a old car. I turn you and get on your own. Notwithstanding, these causes that they were using to divorce was not the cause Jesus spoke about. Hence that was adultery. In other words, if you are just getting rid of your wife because you see a younger one down the road and she look a little better than the older one and, and the older one is not as loving as she was before. And you figure you're going to turn in the old car for a new one? He says, no, you put yourself in trouble. Hmm. You have just put yourself in trouble. Hmm. However, Tolerated in practice among the Jews was a violation of the same law and commandments. This time, the seventh one, what they were doing was giving free way to commit adultery. They were very passionate in getting rid of their wives and they had reached to the point where they would just tell them to go by the word of mouth. Go, I don't want you no more. That was happening in those days. Whereas that was rectified by giving her uh, a document stating that she was divorced. The certificate was given not to make it right, watch this, but it was given so that the woman can have some form of protection from slander and it serves as a proof of her legal freedom from the husband and it serves as the consequent right to remarry. That's what it serves as. That is what they were doing then, putting away their wives and giving them that certificate and moving on saying that they were keeping the commandments. And that's what Jesus is talking about. They were doing all this wrong and still think that they were doing right. Jesus, he explained that unjustified divorce leads to adultery. He spoke to his disciples. When I tell you, I'm not going to land this man, I'm going to drop this man. He spoke to his disciples and he was saying to them, don't be fooled by self-righteousness. Hello? Don't be fooled by self-righteousness of the scribes and the Pharisees who consider themselves to be greater teachers and keepers of the law. By allowing no fault divorce. Don't be fooled by them. He said, you have caused people, they have caused people to commit adultery by what? By lowering God's standards to meet their own desire, you have led people into sin and judgment. As leader and as children of God, we must be careful that we are not found guilty of leaving others into temptation to sin. And we must make sure that we are not partaking of one's adultery or sin of its kind. We are told in Psalms 50 verse 18, when thou sawest a thief, then thou consented with him and hast been with adulterers. What Jesus said was a husband divorce his wife on grounds other than adultery the husband will find himself guilty of of causing his wife to commit adultery. That's what he said. So it's not that nobody catch you in bed with anybody. No, 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 Jesus said it goes deeper than that. How about your thoughts? How about your heart? you're condemning other people saying that they are wrong but how about you what about your heart and that's what Jesus was talking about and I love Jesus and he called his disciples said you have heard what they have said but here's what I want you to know it goes deeper than just an act you know sometimes when somebody sees somebody pregnant let's say a lady get pregnant in church they look at her she's a sinner what about those who did not get pregnant What about those who did not get pregnant? And the church must be careful because if the church carries this feeling that as soon as you're pregnant, you have committed sin, then you're teaching people not to show their belly. And then it's okay for them to sing in the choir so long as they don't have a belly. But the one with the belly is a sinner. But the one without the belly is free. Jesus said that's not the way it is. He said, that's not the way it is. It starts in the heart. It starts in the heart. Which one of us this morning, which one of us this morning could say, I have not committed the sin in my heart? Which one of us? Which one of us? Which one of us? That's the reason why we have to be so careful. When we are pointing figures and condemning others, Jesus will then begin to write on the ground and say, you who are without sin, you cast the first It's what's in the heart that reveals in our lives. But you know what? We have a God just like he did to that woman when they brought her caught in the act. And she was ready to say they're right. And, and you know, the thing what bother me about this, how could you catch a woman in the act and only the woman you got? Where's the man? Where's the man? If you caught her in the act, where's the man? Well, how come you didn't bring he to? Okay, but you want to stone her. She's in the act. Jesus looked around and he said every one of you need to be stolen because the heart, the heart, sin that lies in the heart and all the sin that we have in our heart, here's what Jesus said, if you confess your sin, I'm faithful and just to forgive you and to cleanse you from all unrighteousness, regardless of what sin it is, whether it's adultery, whether it is hate that causes he creates you with murder, whether it is telling lies, whether it is stealing, whether it's disobedient to God, regardless of what it is, God can, and God will forgive if we confess our
1: As we conclude our time together today, let's reflect on the powerful messages we've shared. In the hustle of life, it's crucial to pause and examine our hearts, ensuring our lives align with honesty and please the divine. We're all susceptible to the twists of sin and the allure of temptation, but it's the unseen depths within our hearts that demand our caution. Let's commit to discerning our actions, being wary of temptation, and ensuring our intentions remain pure. As a community, let's anchor ourselves in the light of scriptures, upholding the sanctity of marriage and treating every individual with the love and respect they rightfully deserve. Together, let's take a stand against compromising God's standards for our desires. As a united church, let's support, love, and pray for one another, creating and maintaining a sanctuary where God's word is not only upheld but vividly demonstrated through our actions. Thank you all for being a part of today's gathering. Remember to join our Wednesday evening Bible studies where we're delving deep into the book, a wonderful opportunity to enrich your understanding of God's word consider contributing to our ministry teams. It's not just a way to give but also an incredible avenue to connect with our vibrant community. As we wrap up, let's bow our heads in prayer for one another. May we all continue to grow in faith and love, living out God's word in our daily lives. Amen and God bless.